This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond. Welcome to your home for everything you need to know for soccer in Miami-Dade County. We've got a two-man operation tonight again. Matthew Bunch currently on loan to Dadeland FC. So he should be back next week. But everybody, say hello to uh, the always punctual and always on time, Drew Hausman. Drew, how you doing? I'm doing good. What's up, everybody? It's great to be back on the podcast. Uh, talk some Miami soccer tonight and uh, also probably uh, FC Cincinnati since we're the second most popular soccer podcast over there. I was about to say, I think we're more popular in Cincinnati than we are in Miami. And I wonder if there's ever been a podcast that is geographically based somewhere, however more popular somewhere else. <laughs> Doesn't make sense, but we'll take it. We'll take so it. So all to all of our fans in Cincinnati and the Queen City, we're rooting for you. However, please realize that if you don't win the USL this year, it's a complete disappointment and an utter failure. <laughs> and we want our players back. Yeah, yeah. Just when we want them back. Whenever we, we make the jump again, we you know we get first dibs on everybody. What is it? Uh, right of first refusal? Is that, what, is that what they call it? I've never heard of that, but I'm going with it. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right. So uh, let's address the elephant in all of our rooms. Uh, and it's the fact that uh, Mike LaHood has uh, left the Miami FC organization. And he has found a new home with, drumroll please, FC Cincinnati. Shocker. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we were playing, uh, I believe he just played the first preseason game for us, and then he kind of went off the radar, and, uh, you know, once you don't play three preseason games, it gets pretty suspicious, and uh, shouts out to Mike, but he's always kind of been a big social media guy, and when you kind of have a, like, a three, four week uh, social media blackout, it gets suspicious, um, <laughs> Not that I'm stalking him either, but he started liking a lot of uh, Indy 11 and Cincy tweets, so uh, he moved on. You know, he's a great caliber player, though, so it's kind of, I think, what we were expecting when we first found out that the NASL folded, that we were going to lose some of our big guns. Um, it just kind of sucks that he stuck around uh, to the to the point where he played one preseason game and then kind of fell off, so... Um, kind of detrimental to our progress in the preseason, but uh, I'm glad he found uh, bigger and better pastures, and he gets the link up with uh, Richie Ryan again, so that midfield is going to be nasty there. That midfield's nasty because when you include the addition of another dynamic playmaker in uh, Emmanuel Ledesma from the New York Cosmos, uh, I mean, that literally is, if I'm not mistaken, the NASL. Is that the best of 11? Essentially, they're just missing maybe a handful of guys, and that would be the NASL best 11 team. Oh yeah, they they for the Open Cup they should totally make some like obscure third kit that's like looks like super 1970s out that's like NASL All Stars. <laughs> Just put the NASL patch on the side. Nobody yeah. would say anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you said, it, it. I think we are more surprised of the fact that we still have some of the caliber players uh, located on Miami FC, or I should say, still with Miami FC. That, that we do. Um, it's surprising that it wasn't just a complete exodus. Um, and we've chronicled on our website, magiccity.soccer, magiccitysoccer.co previously, and especially during the offseason of, you know, all of the departures. And Drew did a great job with the offseason player tracker, both with guys leaving and guys coming in. Um, but, you know, as we were writing, or I should say, as I was writing the uh, season preview, 
uh, I looked on the roster and all of a sudden I'm looking at him and it's like something doesn't look right. There's somebody missing and I couldn't put my finger on it for a second. All of a sudden I looked at him like, where's La Hood? Like, I, he's not, huh? This is weird. And, it, you know, eventually you start putting two and two together. And, I mean, I wrote that article, if I'm not mistaken, I think Wednesday of last week. So we're just a little bit about a week's removed from that article coming out. And uh, it was just more of a shock. And, and as you said, once you start looking into the social media and you start reading between the lines, you kind of knew something was imminent. And um wish him absolutely nothing but the best. Um, Cincinnati has probably one of the most dynamic, quintessential backbones to, to any club um that you could ask for and he's always a great quote so lord knows that since he's uh media department and and all of the writers and beat uh coverage for cincinnati they're gonna have a lot of fun with mike that's for sure yeah yeah um i mean it was almost foreshadowing our, our t-shirt and where Lahood at chant when you were looking at that article <laughs> like, yeah where, where is Lahood at well i'll tell you where Lahood's at he's in cincinnati as you said with richie ryan and blake smith all right, and, and you know what? Who knows, man? They might end up plucking a couple more from a roster before the year is over since the MPSL is a short season. But, wow, we wish LaHood nothing but the best. We do have a Miami City Derby, a Magic City Classico, if you will, uh, to talk about. The first match of the MPSL Sunshine Conference season was between Miami United and the newly minted Miami FC 2. Before we go ahead and talk a little bit about the game, Drew, going into the game, what were your thoughts? Well, I, I think I spoke about it a little bit on the last podcast, but I heard that beer crack plus two points. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I was I was very worried because of the the preseason that we had in comparison to their preseason. I felt like uh, they they were kind of more uh, in match shape, and they've had some better opponents that they'd faced. Um, uh, I went to the to the press conference at Brewers Room, and it was it was pretty interesting to to see them do it. It was a it was a nice spectacle that the two clubs put together. But uh, in in the back of my mind, I was uh, I was always worried. But without getting too much into it, it looks like <laughs> for for once my uh, kind of predictions or fears became a reality. So going into the game, as you can see here, predictions and fears becoming a reality. Um, I very boldly stated. Uh, in the match preview that I thought Miami FC would have some more dynamic firepower. Um, I, I figured Miami FC probably more of a group of seasoned veterans. And, that you know, their attacking front would be one that Miami United could not hold. Boy, was I ever wrong. So, going into the early part of the game, just above kickoff, uh, it's a very windy Miami night. Uh, for some reason, it seems like Ted Hendricks Stadium seems to be a, a, almost in a wind tunnel of sorts where... You know, you're almost playing in 10 to 15 mile an hour wind. So on one side, you have a goal kick going about 75 yards. On the other side, you'd be <laughs> lucky if it goes about 30, 35. Um, but Miami United very early on, you know, putting on the pressure on Miami FC 2 and, and definitely re- showing that they came to play. Oh, yeah. Miami United had a much stronger first half and maybe more specifically like the first 15 minutes. Uh, I think when I was in the stands, I was like, oh, man, this is happening. <laughs> like I got I got very early, uh, worried quickly because uh, I also knew like it wasn't an issue where United would get kind of tired or, or, or strung out towards the end of the game where, where they can keep up with the pace of uh, Miami FC 2. Um, 
Started to rain a little. Uh, I mean, I guess for Miami FC, I, I imagine the turf may have been a bit of a challenge, especially with the weather. We got some rain uh, before the first half, and towards the second half, it ended up pouring. But um, the the half ended up tied. But yeah, United just looked clearly clearly better in that in that half. I'm not even sure if we got a, a shot on goal off. Maybe one in the first half. I believe we had one shot on goal. Uh, Miami's first opportunity. You know, to enter the United Technical Area it didn't occur until about the 22nd minute. The first half was lopsided. That's the best way to put it. It was lopsided in Miami United Saber. They definitely looked like they were the team who showed up to play, and they definitely looked like they were on edge and they wanted to prove a point uh, and not be written off as just, you know, probably the second seed or the third seed in the Sunshine Conference. Uh, Miami United knocked up nine corners. They are nine corners during the first half. So it goes to show you how potent their attack was uh, attacking left to right. Uh, right about halftime, you would say, right? All of a sudden, it seemed like Mother Nature opened up uh, on Ted Hendricks Stadium. And the stands cleared out just as quickly with the exception of a, a you know, few group of dedicated supporters. As the second half kicks off, it wasn't long after that where Miami United would find their first uh, goal of the season. Victor Pelé would open up his MPSL 2018 account basically on an excellent finish off a rebound that had a Miami United midfielder, uh, Gabriel Privetera, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, running about 55 yards down the left flank and putting an excellent <laughs> ball, forcing Vega to make a sprawling diving save to his left-hand side. However, the rebound, well... You can only do so much. Slot it in the back of the net. Miami United up 1-0. From your view, what did you take away from that uh, exchange? Yeah, I mean, for, for that play, I mean, it was a minute, minute, I think it was just, yeah, one minute. 46. After, yeah, four, minute 46. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Privatira. I'm guessing that's his name. Number 20. <laughs> yep. But he had a great run, man. Like, he had so much, so much space to go, and he knew exactly where he was going. Uh, considering the the level of defense that we had, where it was uh, Trafford, Bernstein, and then Pollock was on the other side, uh, he kind of just uh, juked uh, uh, Bernstein, and then kind of Trafford and Pollock lost uh, lost their uh, bearings on where uh, what's I can't even, is it Pele Pela Pele Pelea something something else. yeah sorry, man sorry. I, I keep just automatically defaulting to Pele Victor <laughs> yeah, Victor his first name Victor. Yeah, but uh, I mean, even even after the run, uh, Privatira had a had a great shot on goal, and it was that was an amazing save by Vega too. I think the whole Absolutely. stadium like lost their breath for half a second. But I, I I just think it was kind of blown coverage on Trafford and Pollock uh, off off Victor in the corner, and he had a great shot. Um, kind of kind of the one funny thing where I was crying to myself in the <laughs> crying to myself in the stand was that he was actually at one of our preseason games uh he's on loan from uh, I think it's Reno uh what is it 191868 yeah mm-hmm. 1868 and he was actually at I believe it was our first or second preseason game trying to come to Miami FC too but uh it didn't work out so I guess to see the guy we denied score a, a great uh deflection shot into the net was kind of a uh, bittersweet so uh I, I that's just, the ultimate sign of respect yeah <laughs> i just had a like kind of a one-man crying party uh in the stands by myself but it, it was a great shot and a well-deserved goal i mean at that point vega could have done nothing you can't put it on him but um yeah i mean it put it put united up for for the game and uh going going late into that game you could see the confidence coming out of their side being up a goal 
Yeah, so before we continue on with the game, Drew, I wanted to ask you something that I noticed was very alarming to me while watching the game was the fact that it it, it just seemed Miami FC 2 seemed disjointed. Uh, it seemed like their midfield was non-existent with new, well, you know, I shouldn't say new look because he's been here all preseason, but Manny Gonzalez seemed to have been manning the midfield along with uh, Juan Gonzalez and a couple others. But it just almost looked like Miami FC 2 could not get the ball into the middle of the field and then kind of work their way up in an attack. Something that we were very used to, you know, when Nesta was at the helm in this team with NASL. Did you notice that as well? Or did you just think maybe the conditions weren't playing for that kind of, uh, you know, style? No, I, I definitely think there there was a huge uh, gap or lack, lack of uh, skill in the midfield. Uh, no disses to anybody. But I, I feel like last year we were used to just such a dominant midfield with uh, Richie Ryan being there and Mike LaHood and then you know obviously Ryan left so we're not used to him being there but I think part of that's also the thing where maybe we we trained uh we were training in the preseason with LaHood in that kind of I, I mean I'm pretty sure he would have been the captain this year but as right, probably you know, yeah the the veteran of the team being in the midfield and then losing him halfway through preseason um yeah they they just looked a little lost in that position um I will say though definitely when the rain kicked in uh the conditions screwed everybody up, but you can't just oh, yeah. put that on one side over the other because <laughs> Lord yeah, knows, I, like I United know. has a ton of new players too. So you know, nobody can really get used to playing in slick astroturf very quickly. Oh, so absolutely, it almost we were commenting in the press box. A, a couple of reporters were, were mentioning that it, the conditions almost seemed worse than Ricardo Silva Stadium, which is hard to believe because you know we've commented time and time again how that field held up and. You know the bounces that the ball would take off that turf, and you know moving now to a different ball manufacturer. And it's also another thing: Miami FC two practices on actual grass. Their stadium, where they will be hosting their NPSL matches, is an actual grass pitch. And I do wonder how common that is in the NPSL, let alone almost anywhere else in the American pyramid. But um, to digress, it was just it seemed to be a lot of you know disjointment. And to go back to my earlier statement. Miami FC 2 rolled out essentially four starters from their 2017 NESL, NESL season. You had Tyler Ruthven uh, having to play right back uh, due to an injury. Um, you had Rhett Bernstein in the middle with Mason Trafford, and you had Vega in between the pipes. And essentially, now when you're four familiar faces of the defense, you know, I'm here looking at the game before it starts as, you know, Miami FC 2's, it's, you know, attacking. It's a potent attacking team, and unfortunately, those were not the players that had lined up to start the 11 and to start the match. But moving on, um, Miami FC 2 played the aggressor throughout the rest of the second half. Jaime Chavez, you see another one of those 2017 NASL carryovers, and newly, uh, the new Stefano, Stefano 2.0, Stefano Fanfoni. Bolstered the attack with a substitution in the 64th minute. Pretty much instantly after that, Jaime Chavez would test the United's defense as a header was forced Brian Martin, uh, the United goalkeeper, to make a fantastic save. Miami FC 2 would find another opportunity in the 72nd minute as now Stefano Fanfoni would get basically a gift from a terrible deflection off a Miami United defender. Uh, however, he would sky his volley well up above the crossbar. So... As the game carries on after that point, we saw another 2017 NASL holdover, probably the most surprising name to remain on the roster, Vincenzo Ranella, and Sean McFarland would enter the match for Juan and Manny Gonzalez. After that, it was basically all hands on deck. 
Mason Trafford in the 83rd minute had a rip from way outside. However, that went wide. And then in the 88th minute, let's do we call it craziness? How do how do we how do we talk from the 88th minute moving until the game was called? Do we call it crazy? Do we call it ridiculous? Do we call it? I, I would say a legend in the making and uh, like uh, ESPN 30 for 30 worthy story. <laughs> what if I told you that all not jerseys were created the same? <laughs> What if I told you that a man by the name of Lionel Brown, who's played his entire career as a goalkeeper, would come onto the pitch? What if I told you that his jersey would be outlined as a white t-shirt with Sharpie and the last name Brown and the number 33 scratched away at the back of the jersey? <laughs> Legendary. So guys, yes, there you have it. Lionel Brown jerseys are for sale. Uh, all you do need for those jerseys are a white T-shirt. You can pick one up at your local Walmart, Target, Kmart, etc. And a black Sharpie, which I'm sure you can find in the arts and crafts style. Very neatly, all you have to do is flip that bad boy over to the back side. Put the last name Brown at the top across your shoulder blade section. And then write a big number 33 right under that. Yeah, that's all you need. That is all you need. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. I I, we, I I I think I pulled my hair out out of excitement. Like we were losing at that point. I, I feel like at that point the game should have been called to weather conditions. I was soaking wet. There was lightning everywhere, and then I looked down and I'm like, they're subbing in Lionel Brown, who is basically our I, I'd say our third string backup keeper, correct, <laughs> into this game for for Lord knows what reason. And I think he was what the the sixth or the seventh sub which i didn't he even was, realize npsl yeah. had seven subs he was the fifth sub of the game uh npsl does have a seven substitution rule basically anybody who you name to your bench can come on the field um but he comes on for tyler ruthven and immediately starts playing almost in a right back right midfield role and he held his own pretty well for the first minute or two not too bad however as you alluded to and i was hoping he would leave that until the very last second in the 90th minute the fortunes would turn for Miami FC. After pressing the field for about a good 43 minutes yes, in the second half, uh, Miami FC 2 would force a turnover and get a throw-in after Miami FC 2 was able to work the ball essentially from the right-back position all the way over to the left-back and then all the way back to the right-back. Sean McFarlane would find the ball essentially at the 40-yard line. How do I know it's the 40-yard line? Well, there's football pit. There's a, what is it? What do we call them? Football marks on this pitch. Sean McFarlane would send in a deep ball with almost precise accuracy, I would say, kind of like a U.S. Marine sniper in a sense. (laughs) Or maybe it was just the fact that Jaime Chavez was unmarked at the six-yard box and he was able to slot a header down and low and away uh, from Brian Martin, the United goalkeeper, to tie up the game. Essentially, as Jaime Chavez is running in celebration, a huge lightning bolt uh, flashes over the stadium and how huge well we've got a video on our website of it if you go to magiccity.soccer you can see exactly how terrible these conditions were uh, go ahead and look for Jaime Chavez's 90th minute goal celebration hang on till the end of the video and you'll notice that the sky goes from essentially black to a very bright pink uh, <laughs> courtesy of a GoPro camera so Miami FC walks away, essentially steals a point. Uh, as soon as the goal was over, forget about even kicking off. The United, uh, I should say the referee, had decided that he had seen enough. United would essentially drop points at the last second, and both teams would walk away for a point, which, you know, if you look at it from Miami FC 2 perspective, that is a win. And if you look at it from a Miami United perspective, it's got to feel like a loss, right? Yeah, and what what I was thinking this, this whole time and what I was saying uh... – 
to some other people that were at the game is I feel like if this were an NASL game, that would have been called at the like 70th minute and just ended with a Miami United victory. So um, bless bless the NPSL for for letting us uh, keeping play on that game despite the weather conditions and being able to tie it up. Like any anybody that uh, you know debates that scoreline from a Miami FC FC two standpoint. Uh, no, we we got lucky and we were able to to pull the point out. Uh, Thank you to the referees and the lack of uh, lightning <laughs> concerns, but um, yeah, I mean this this next game going into uh, Bobcat Field will be uh, pretty intense. You know that obviously it's going to be grass and it's at a different time. It's on a Saturday, but it's it's I I feel like this is going to be a great game. Should be the kind of the quintessential act two, if you will. Uh, of this Classico or of this Derby. And it's funny because a lot of people don't really realize that there could be essentially a third match in this Derby. So while people have been saying out loud, well, if they draw again, there's no real winner. Oh, well, there's going to be a winner if there's an Act 3. We'll talk about that in just a bit. But before we go ahead and move forward, Drew Hausman was lucky enough to, you know, go and check out the uh, Perez Art Museum exhibit in downtown Miami. If you are not aware, there is a new soccer exhibit or exhibition going on at the museum. Drew, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you saw that night and what you got from them? Yeah, so uh, through the through the Perez Art Museum, they have they have a new exhibit that's very uh, soccer orientated. Uh, it's 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 on the second floor. It just opened. I believe it's running until September. Uh, they have a lot of very very cool stuff. Uh, if you're an NASL fan, there's a bunch of uh, Pele paintings. Uh, there's some very very realistic stuff and there's also some interpretive stuff but i think if you live in miami dade uh you should definitely check it out uh, i think there was a samuel ito painting there's a lot of uh there's a very cool uh, stop motion uh some guy created his an entire pitch uh that's in a glass encasing and he made uh, little uh soccer figurines out of uh wrapped gum like gum wrappers the foil wrappers but he made like stop motion and it was all uh basically like biggest moments of the world cup ever like you know you had the the, the headbutt uh mm-hmm. just just crazy stuff so they did they had the field like on display and then they had a video montage but uh we actually have some passes that uh that the oh, do uh, we? yes we have some passes that the perez uh museum miami uh, hooked us up with so these passes are actually good for uh two adults and up to four children and We'll be giving away on Magic City Soccer. That's right. You heard it here now. Um, so basically, uh, I guess going in, going into the next game, if you tweet us any sort of question and we read it on air, or uh, we'll give you a, a pass if we read it on air, or we also have some trivia if you don't feel like asking us a question, uh, here's where you can just guess a random number and be lucky. So I will give you three trivia questions and... Just say who they're for and the quantity. All right, so, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to guess 11. Or am I not eligible? Uh, you're not eligible, but that, that could be a good guess. Um, so right, so what, what is trivia question number one, Drew? Okay, this is easy. You could just give any random number and actually win. So number one is <laughs> how, many, how many Manchester United jerseys does Omar Mumbayad own? So if you want to reply, just put Omar four. I don't know. 
Number two, if you don't if you don't like Omar, you're like, oh, he sucks. Uh, you can guess how many Liverpool jerseys Matt owns. Boo. Yeah, I'm gonna say like 72 on that one. That, Probably, that's yeah. yeah, that's a safe bet. Seems and, fair. Yeah, and then uh, uh, number three is how many Arsenal jerseys do I own? You don't need to get all three right. You can you can guess for all three, but just put our names before the number. We'll do a count, and if you win, we'll either give you the pass in person or we can mail it to you. But uh, the, these are basically good uh, throughout the whole entire exhibit run, and it's for two adults and up to four children. So, Well, Drew, how many passes have we given out this week? Should we say two? Um, we'll go three. Go three. three. Ooh, you're yeah. being generous. We're yeah. Three. Well, the Perez Art Museum is a quite generous place. <laughs> well, thank you to our friends over at the Perez Art Museum. Uh, they're more than we're, they're more than generous enough to give us these passes and to extend them out to our listeners. And if you go, make sure that you take some photos. Make sure that you tag us. At least give us a hashtag and say, hey, guys, look what we saw. And tell us whatever you found interesting because I have yet to go. I believe Matthew Bunch hasn't uh, been able to make it out there either. So, you know, I definitely want to see what's going on. Uh, but I will be out there soon, that's for sure. Alright. Only so if you get the ahead. trivia questions right. So is my money no good there? Yeah, no. <laughs> no? I, see, I can't pay in shellings? Okay. <laughs> oh, right. by the way, their merch... Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but their merch game is on point, bro. They, I saw the photos. Oh, the my God. Serious. That scarf was beautiful. And they also have a couple other t-shirts. And uh, oddly enough, in their gift shop, because of this exhibit, they have a bunch of like soccer-related books. So they have a bunch of like really awesome coffee table books that kind of have a lot of uh, NASL 70s stuff inside of it. So it, just me alone in the gift shop, just flipping through a soccer coffee table book, I was like, ha this is art to me. <laughs> How much is a scarf? Oof, 65 <laughs> the shirts were 20 the shirts were 20 i your boy bought a shirt your boy bought a shirt i'm giving back to the museum sorry there as i take a sip of the beer thinking that drew was going to elaborate a little more on that so <laughs> let's go ahead and focus on act two of the magic city classico oh we didn't name a magic city man of the match uh for the first game but guess what we will be naming a magic city man of the match so we're telling miami fc's organization and the miami united organization that you know listen this is magic city soccer man like you stole the name from us so that's right the least you could do there's not a casino named magic yeah, exactly. city. Not a casino what casino i've never heard of that casino but the least you could do is let us you know name the man of the match here kind of give back in the spirit of solitude right in the spitty of in the spitty in the spirit of all things magic city so let's go ahead and look at this saturday's match this saturday's match will take place at 7 p.m at bobcat field at st thomas university st thomas university located right off the palmetto right off 37th avenue on the south side if you are not where if you are not sure of where to find i can't speak tonight that's bad if you're not sure where to find St. Thomas University, do yourself a favor. I want you to put it in your Google Maps real quick, and then you will see how to get there. All right? I, I feel like how- you could just go just head towards Broward. If you can throw a rock into Broward, go back three blocks, and you'll be there. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems like all of the reserved seating for this match has officially sold out. So big props to the fans who are going to be attending this match. seems like there's some serious interest into Part 2. Part 1 had a lot to be... Uh, had a lot left to be desired 
there is only lawn general admission left. So if you do not want to sit on the floor, if you do not want to bring a blanket, highly recommend that you bring over your folding chairs. You can run over to Dick's and buy one for about nine ninety nine. Dick's, thank you so much. Uh, we do expect a royalty check in the mail soon. Uh, but, Drew, let's go ahead and talk about this match just a bit. What should we expect from part two of the Miami FC 2 versus Miami United fixture? Yeah, I mean, that, that first game scared me, but where I, where I have the confidence in Miami FC 2 is that it's it's on the natural grass. It's at their practice field. Um, one of the things that kind of confused me a little was uh, Miami FC's uh, roster selection for the first game. So seeing, uh, I guess I guess there's issues with international players, but looking at how deep our roster is, the fact that you have seven subs and you could have used anybody, we put in two backup goalkeepers, and that's why Lionel Brown had to come out. So um, I'm, I'm sure there's some reason behind that, but I feel like we could have made a better bench lineup. And <laughs> oddly enough, I mean, maybe you know why, but for some reason we listed Johnny Steele as being uh, on the bench for that game, and that was not the case. It was actually Vincenzo Ranella taking his place. I think uh, it goes back to that international situation in terms of visas and green cards, etc. Yeah, yeah, but um, t- Twitter mess up from Miami FC. Sorry, bro. Um, but, but kind of... I'll, I'll throw it out to United, too, where, where I feel confident that Miami FC will win this game. But kind of here, here's my uh, Simon Cowell X factor is that, uh, you know, Miami United's captain didn't even play that game, Ezekiel. And they uh, Ezekiel Tejada, and they honored him at the, the half for this game. So uh, I, don't, I don't know why he actually didn't play. I heard he was on vacation or something. Uh, hashtag real-life problems. But, um, you know, if, if he's back from this game, then... He's played at that team for like four or five years, so uh, that that could be something swaying in their favor. So uh, I I mean I expect Miami FC to win this, but there there's some stuff that scares me still, man. I I, I can't sit through these games and <laughs> be confident. Well, I'll tell you this: one thing I have noticed as I pulled up the Miami United roster uh, before we started the show was. There are a lot more players on their roster, or I should say on this webpage, than there was about Saturday of last week. All of a sudden, a name that was not on the roster literally five days ago was Ignacio Nacho Calgano. And all of a sudden, I'm looking on the roster, and guess who appears among the forward groups? Ignacio Nacho Calgano is a fan favorite of Miami United. He seems to be almost like a... Cult folk hero? Is that uh, what you would call South, him? South Florida soccer legend. But I, I will South say I do have it under good authority that he will not be playing for them this year. Oh, so he's just on the page incorrectly. Yeah, it's MPSL. That probably will happen. But uh, I've, I've heard several <laughs> times that he will not play. Maybe they will bring him back out of desperation, but uh, I, I believe he's not playing. Uh, he is playing in some, like, plus 35 tournament in Miami Beach later in the year if you want to go check him out but I don't I don't think he'll be a factor this year all right so let's start over so I, I ruined your thing, I ruined your spiel but yes yeah, so you ruined my spiel, I love so my boy Nacho let's go ahead and, and edit this entire last 35 45 seconds of uh the airtime out keep it no, in we'll do it live what we're gonna do it live um one of the important things, one of the things I thought that was incredibly crucial to Miami United's success in the first game was the fact that they were not scared to attack Miami's defense on the wings. 
Um, it almost seemed like the left wing and the right wing for Miami United, or even the left and the right full, uh, mid, um, sorry, midfielder, had absolutely no problems working down the flanks, and they almost seemed to be faster than a lot of the guys wearing white uh, last week. One thing that Miami FC will need to focus on, I think, in order to take away any kind of points from this match is limiting the space for through balls. Miami United was able to work plenty of balls through the midfield and just let their guys go out and chase and, and essentially beat the fullbacks from Miami FC to the ball time and time again in the first match. Um, I think the turf has something to do with it. I think knowing the confines of Ten Hendrick Stadium had something to do with it. However, now that we're moving the game to a grass pitch and we're moving the game to Miami FC2's home location, you know maybe that evens out a little bit. Uh, Miami FC2 needs to come out more jointed. They need to come out with more chemistry. There was way too many times where I think Miami FC2 would have a, a player would have a ball at his feet and he's looking up and looking around and saying, "Hmm, interesting." You know, I don't see anybody open. I don't see anybody making a dynamic run or. You know, he's looking for something that's not there. And is that an issue with chemistry? Maybe. Is that an issue of the conditions forcing his teammates to play a certain way? Absolutely possible. However, that disjointment allowed for United to get the early goal, uh, or I guess you should say the first goal of the game, um, and kind of dominate the pace of play in the first half. Miami FC2 needs to come out with their foot on the gas here if they want to get take away any kind of points. I think we know what to expect from the defense. And, you know, if Vincenzo Ranella and Jaime Chavez start the match, which they did not do in the first part of the Classico, um, I think we'll know what to expect from the forwards. However, that midfield, with the exception of Dylan Mares and, and essentially Johnny Steele if he gets into the game, we don't know what to expect from that group. Sure, we've seen them in preseason. Drew has seen them in all four preseason matches, but... When you win your four preseason games, essentially from a tally of what was it, Drew? I think twenty to two. Uh, like you're not playing the toughest. Or something. <laughs> something yeah, crazy. You're, you're not. You're not playing stiff competition, and that's not a slight against the teams that they've played. FC Kendall is an Open Cup team. South Florida FC uh, was just on the cusp of making the Open Cup, but those aren't games that are going to test the resolve in you know, a more organized division of soccer. The MPSL is Division 4. Sure, it's not the NASL anymore, but a lot of the guys on these rosters, essentially, are in the same situation as a lot of the guys on the Miami FC 2 roster. They're guys that should be playing in Division in Division 2 or should be playing in a Division 3 league, however, since this country doesn't have one. And even most of them have sniffed around Division 1, Coy Craft being somebody coming from FC Dallas. So it's going to be... The biggest key to this game is how does Miami FC start in the first 15 minutes of the match? Are they on top of the ball? Are they controlling the possession? Or are they just looking for long balls over the top, hoping to release guys like Don Smart and Jaime Chavez and Vincenzo Ranella? You know, granted, Poku's not here anymore. You don't have a guy who's essentially going to be able to just create a play on his own with absolutely no space. Michael Hood isn't going to be there to bail out this team time and time again anymore. And you're losing the passing ability of Richie Ryan as well. But those guys have been gone. Granted, LaHood only gone now for the last couple of days. But those guys have been gone for months. They haven't sniffed around the organization. So if you're a supporter and you're expecting that kind of play, listen, that's not going to happen. That team is gone. This team is not built that way. However, this team needs to try to take away some of the aspects and some of the tactics that we saw in the 2017 NASL season if they really want to dominate like they should be dominating in this conference. 
Yeah, and and part of part of the thing you were saying uh, about uh, maybe the the players uh, being kind of above the level too, and that goes to United also, where you know you you got to look at it like they have a player that was at Portland Portland two in the USL, and they have the the guy out on loan from USL, and these guys right. are going to go Nisa too, so. The, you know, these guys are also, they bulked up to play us, you know, that, I think that was their intention on bulking up was saying, hey, these first two games, we're going to play the toughest team in the league and Jacksonville's here, Jacksonville is here also. So there, there's, and Jacksonville and Miami both have, you know, chip on their shoulder, point to prove all this to the USSF, but obviously United, they're, they're, they're just like, hey, we're an MPSL team. We, we need to do good and we've always done well. And uh, they're coming out with it. Um, I think what you're saying also, we're, you know, I, I don't understand why maybe Ronella or Chavez didn't start that game. Uh, I, I like that Don Smart was there, but I, I feel like I, I don't know what was going on with that roster. And I, I know there was the international stuff, but I feel like it was just kind of almost put together last minute or, I, I, you know, maybe there was injuries or something, but it didn't seem like the the smartest group of people together that we could have assembled. Well, I, yeah, right. I would say, I would argue that I don't think it's Miami FC's two's best 11. It, it wasn't by any means. I, I don't think that guys were playing in positions they were comfortable with. Um, I think guys were being asked to do certain things that, you know, they don't genuinely normally do. And I think they were trying to fill a void. I mean, th- there's clearly a reason why Jaime Chavez and Vincenzo Ranella came off a bench. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. Normally... Those are, you know, day game in, game out starters. Um, so it, it's very interesting to see them come off the bench. However, you know, there, maybe there was an injury. Maybe one of them sustained a knock. Maybe they look at the conditions in the field and they say, listen, maybe better to hold them off one week. And as we saw, I think maybe Paul Douglish realized that, you know, he needed to get something from that game, especially substituting them as late as he did in Act 1 of the Classico. But super important here to, to you know, to fire an all-cylinder starting off. Um, Drew, if you had to give a score prediction for Saturday's match, how do you how are you rating this one? Ugh, um, I mean, I, I would like to say one nothing Miami FC over United, but um, I, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go three one Miami FC over United. I think maybe hopefully we're gonna put together we're gonna i i hope here's where the the managerial experience will come into play and paul will put in put in a better squad and we'll we'll get it together more also the home field advantage uh the lack of the turf and the rain i think we'll get a little off that uh i definitely think there is an opportunity for united to put one in so i'm not going to do it a a shutout but i'm going through one all right that's what i did last time (laughs) <laughs> and I was uh, sadly mistaken. Look, I, I think these teams are more evenly matched than a lot of us want to give credit for. I think we look at Miami FC 2 and we look at their roster and say, well, listen, man, these are Division 2 players now playing in Division 4. And, you know, they should be doing better than they're doing. Um, however, as you mentioned, Miami United, they're not pushovers. They are basically winning this division and this conference you know, every other year they were basically jostling for position with the now defunct Miami Fusion roster, and every year it was usually a fight till about the last uh, match day in order to determine who is going to the playoffs and who's getting the Open Cup slot. So, in all honesty, uh, I don't think we find a winner on Saturday either. I think this game ends two-two. Um, I'm expecting some late game heroics on either side. It's a bold move, uh, Cotton. I yeah, I, I listen. I don't think anybody's going to come away with the full points here. I think. 
these may be the, the two best teams. And granted, that means, you know, we haven't had a look at Jacksonville Armada. And we won't have a look at them for quite some time. However, you know, I, I'm hard-pressed to think that anybody else in this conference is going to be able to keep up with either of these two squads. And, you know, maybe you want to call that a Miami bias. Maybe you don't. However, I, you know, looking at the roster compositions, I, I think Jacksonville Armada are definitely going to be a close third to either of these clubs. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Armada slipped in second somewhere. However, I just don't think uh, either team is going to walk away with the full set of points here. So we're going to go with a 2-2 draw. Um, taking a look at the MPSL schedule. Guys, while the MPSL has been in action for the better part of a month now, roughly, uh, across the country, the Sunshine Conference has been one of the later conferences to start. The only fixture that has been played so far has been the United FC2 uh, draw from Sunday. Uh, going into this Saturday's match, there will also be the only game to have been played in the Sunshine Conference. So the Sunshine Conference starting a little later than most. Uh, it looks like Miami United will have essentially a two-game, I should say Miami United and Miami FC2, will have a two-game uh, jump just about on everybody else of the conference. If you've noticed both schedules, however, there seems to be a huge gap in play as we get later on into the season. Uh, both these teams, again, will be in the U.S. Open Cup, duking it out in just a couple weeks' time. But we will save that for the big episode 50. Episode 50 will be coming to you, if not live. Definitely kind of close to being live. Uh, we look to have a really good performance for that show. And, you know, while this is only episode 48, we are looking a little bit ahead, uh, skipping past next week and into the week after because it's almost perfectly timed, right, Drew? We're going to get episode 50. Can't believe we've been doing this now for, Jesus, almost two years. Um, and, yeah, we're basically just the absolute best time of the year, the beginning of the U.S. Open Cup. That's right. We're going to have fireworks. Uh, all of our imaginary Patreon members will be there. Uh, so if you subscribe to us on a Patreon page we don't have, you're invited. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, to bring it to bring it back earlier, what you were saying, I'm, I'm jumping back like five minutes. Uh, what was interesting was that Miami United actually played Jacksonville last year in the U.S. Open Cup, and I think Jacksonville only beat them by a goal, and that was Jacksonville's. And NPS or NASL roster, probably you know, right. obviously minus a player or two, but that just kind of shows you the caliber of the the one team to the other, where we're we're kind of devaluing Jacksonville, and they can't score a goal against Miami FC for the life of them. So, uh, <laughs> hoping that carries over into the NPSL campaign. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I, I hope Paul or, or somebody in the locker room that was there last year just grabs all the new people by their fucking shirt collar and just says, "Hey, guys." We have a tradition going on where these guys do not score a goal against us, home or away. Let's do this. The the Achilles signal has been blasted into the sky. Yeah, yeah. Achilles, if, if you're still listening for whatever reason, you've been given a task by Magic City Soccer, and that is to find the video footage of last year's matches against Jacksonville and leave them on Douglas's desk <laughs> with a note that these me- these videos will self-destruct in 24 hours. It just says <laughs> goals zero. Yes, goal zero in, in three underlines under the uh, the number zero. But absolutely, um, Drew, do you have anything left to add for episode forty eight? I don't think so. I mean, there, there's not much going else uh, in Miami Dade soccer. You know, as we said, the the conference kind of kicks off a little bit later than us. Uh, PDL hasn't started quite back up. Um, that's about it. Uh, I mean, we Can got. Can I say you're wrong? What? You are wrong, sir, because we have not talked about. 
We haven't talked about the International Champions Cup. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Oh, are you coming off? I was going to say there's a tournament coming to Miami. I do not like the tournament because my boys aren't playing in it, but go yeah, for it. So <laughs> go for it. International so we Champions. we have six matches. I believe we have six matches, if I'm not mistaken, coming to uh, Hard Rock Stadium at towards the end of May. Uh, one of the first matches to be played will be against or I should say, will be between Magic's, Magic City FC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just me no more <laughs> Manchester, out there. Manchester City FC versus Bayern Munich. That will essentially be the tune-up game, while the big headlining act is Real Madrid versus my very own Manchester United. So I'm excited, uh, as are a lot of soccer fans, even if you are not fans of either of the four clubs. Um, both games seem to be amazing, and to not be trumped by any... Uh, sense of fashion there will be a women's tournament there will be a women's four-team tournament uh to be played here at hard rock stadium um between if i'm not mistaken i think it was manchester city's ladies psg uh i believe it was the north carolina courage of the nwsl and there was, i think one, <clears throat> i think there's one team that's yet to be named yes uh, still and it's gonna be the arsenal's tournament. lady team i hope i hope oh that would be that would be pretty cool actually yeah, i would go to that that would be yeah as long as it, you know what it could be, what's the team that Alex Morgan plays for over in Europe? Is it uh, is it Marseille? Uh, is it yeah, Monaco? I think it, Which I think one it's is it? A French team. It's definitely a French. Ninety percent sure it's a French team, but yeah, I'm like yeah, I agree with you. I think it's like ninety ninety five percent sure. But if Alex Morgan uh, graces the confines of Hard Rock Stadium, we would be extremely happy. That's a U.S. Women's National Team superstar, uh, so that would be really fun to watch. And on top of other things else, you know, we don't really have much else going on. So it, it seems to be kind of like a wait and see for South Florida soccer. However, it's good to see these big marquee matches coming back to Hard Rock Stadium because it shows that last year's matches, it worked outside of the fabric of El Clasico. It also showed that that PSG Juventus game worked very well, uh, not only in terms of financial reasons, but also in terms of support. Yeah, man, I'm just devastated. When they announced uh, Arsenal was in the tournament, I got super excited. Uh, I, I immediately assumed they were playing in the USA because I believe this tournament never had uh, any sort of European fixtures in it before. And then when they slowly drew the teams, Arsenal got kind of drawn at the end. And then like a week later, they announced all the sites and they're like, oh, Arsenal gets all the international sites. Dublin, Singapore, and I'm like, oh man, what the... <laughs> well, that ha- that actually happened two years ago to United, where I don't think United came uh, to the States. I think they ended up playing the China games, and uh. they played a game in Dublin. So I-, I guess that essentially is that slot is being relocated as well. And, you know, I, I kind of wonder how many times these teams really want to come over uh, to the Americas, end up training here, you know, kind of throws everything out of rhythm. The climate's different. Everything's much different. So maybe... You know, practicing somewhere on that part of the world uh, makes the transition to the EPL season a little bit easier. Speaking of Arsenal, in just about a week's time, we have the first leg of the UEFA Europa League semifinal where Arsenal will be taking on Atletico Madrid. Drew, thoughts on Arsenal's last chances to enter the Champions League? What's up, man? There, there was no other Russian team we could play? We got we to gotta play Atletico? What's up with that? I don't know, man. Who, who else is in this tournament? I, I can't. can't <laughs> I, I think. I think. Uh, oh, I'm gonna be crucified for this, but I, I think uh, Atletico beat Lokomotiv Moscow, so I don't think there's any more Russian teams left. But 
Um, the Arsenal draw against uh, CSK or Seska Moscow was great because they were at our group stages, and then we banged it out. So, I mean, it's looking pretty good. Uh, who knows what's going on with Atletico or how, how aggressively they want to play. I mean, they'll, they'll probably be out there, but... Um, my whole issue with Arsenal is that we don't really have a striker for this tournament. I'm not sold on uh, Lacazette. Uh, he's he's kind of slowly proven himself uh, again this year. And same thing with uh, Welbeck's got a little confidence. But uh, our, our, our Premier League team is bad and our Europa roster is even worse. So <laughs> if our Europa wins the tournament and we can't get into champions through that other roster, like... Maybe the United of last year. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it'd be nice because you would steal a slot uh, from currently fifth spate. Oh, can't talk today, man. I'm off. You would steal a Champions League spot, um, essentially, and you would keep Chelsea in the Europa League, certainly, um, and jump them, essentially, as the fifth team in. Um, We're going to go ahead and, you know, we all made EPL... uh, predictions for this season way back when in august of last year oh, and we're gonna hash those back up in the next week or two and we're gonna go over those predictions so you're gonna have the predictions from matt you're gonna have the predictions from lee you're gonna have the predictions from drew and myself and we're gonna go over and see you know the different things that we discussed i know we mentioned i, I think top. i chose a team to be relegated that was already relegated so <laughs> well that'll be interesting yeah that'll, yeah that'll be fun to rehash open up some i was not prepared for those questions and you're like who's gonna be relegated it's a quick google search man come on oh. you watched you watched the english premier league every weekend yeah that's true but yeah i mean you should be better at when this. you throw it you out on the soccer show you should be better than this okay nacho <laughs> okay we'll go we'll go back to those nacho clips all right Yes, we'll go back to the Nacho <laughs> clips. All right, so um, we've all made predictions. I think we discussed who was going to win the league and kind of the top four slots. We went ahead and discussed who would be the relegation. Uh, a lot of us had Swansea in the mix, and Swansea currently just sitting outside of, regu- out of rele- ugh, regulation relegation. Um, we talked about top goal scorer. We talked about manager of the year, and I believe we talked about who would get the most assists in the league. So it'll be fun to go back and rehash those and, and see where we ended up. Salah. Oh, no, I don't, I mean, yeah, right. Okay, sure, boss. I had Lukaku, so God knows. Um, and I had Gilfie Sigurdsson getting the most assists, and Lord knows on that Everton squad, he is not anywhere near the top, probably half of the Premier League in assists this season. So, other than that, congratulations to Manchester City. As much as it pains me to say this, I'm going to be professional about it. Uh, they are your English Premier League champions of the 2017-2018 season. Uh, they're still a fight, essentially, for second place. However, pretty much two, three, and four have already been decided with about four games left to play. Um, other than that, now that we've wrapped up Europe just a little bit, or I should say wrapped up England just a little bit, Drew, is there anything left for episode 48 for real this time? Uh no, I I got nothing. No, you good? Yeah. You good? Yeah, you good, bro? I'm good, bro. Yeah. All right, guys. PC so principal. For, <laughs> for Drew Hausman, I am Omar Mubayed. You can find Drew on Twitter at it's Hausman LOL without the E. You can find me on Twitter at Mubayed eleven. You can find us on Twitter at at Magic City Soccer on our website at magiccitysoccer.co or magiccity.soccer. We have a new Instagram page. Should have probably let off with that. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at Magic City Sock. 
SOC. No K. We're not talking to Bob Socks. We're not selling socks. However, we should probably start selling socks. Keep your eyes peeled for the new 2018 Magic City Soccer shirt. That will be hitting the shelves very soon. Uh, it's a doozy. If you're a fan of the Miami Vice Art Deco scene, you're really going to love this one. So, again, for Drew and myself, have a good night. Go Miami FC2, go Miami United, and go Miami Soccer. And go Sox.